When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. We're also on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. On today's show, we have another top 10 by uh, top 10 players by positions list for you. Uh, today's list is just going to round up our top 10 shooting guards in the NBA today. Uh, we've covered the top 10 centers, power forwards, and small forwards in the NBA in our previous podcast. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check those out, give those a listen. Um, with that being said, Hirsch, let's dive into the uh, honorable mentions, the guys who just missed the list. Yeah, so I mean, we got a we got a bunch of names here. Uh, I would argue that, you know, shooting guards is one of the tougher positions to, you know, rank just because, you know, there's a lot of guys that play the position that put up good numbers and play on good teams. Um, you know, one of the guys that didn't play on a good team last year is Jalen Green, who made the honorable mentions list. Um, you know, I think he has the potential to make the list in the future. Um, but just as of right now, you know, playing on the Rockets, you know, he did put up good numbers, but he's just a little too young to make the list. Uh, you know, we got guys like CJ McCollum and DeJounte Murray. Uh, guys who have played a couple of years in the league have maybe been in this list before, but maybe have fallen out just because of, you know, deteriorating play. And then obviously we've got guys like Desmond Bain and Tyler Hero who are very tough to, you know, leave off a list like this, especially with their numbers and, you know, their teams being, you know, playoff teams. I mean, obviously Tyler Hero didn't really help his team in the playoffs because he was injured, but Desmond Bain definitely was there in the playoffs to help out the Grizzlies. Um, Just unfortunately, none of these guys had at least enough to make this list, but I definitely think a few of them could make it in the future. Absolutely. And I mean, looking at just the shooting guard pool in the NBA right now, it's just crazy to see the amount of talent, Uh, you know, just like five years ago, you know, some of these stat lines would just be like unthinkable. And it's just, it was tough to make this list. And I know with point guards, it's going to be very, very similar with just how deep the player pool is at that position. Uh, but let's move on. Let's start with our first guy, number 10, Tyrese Maxey. He kind of falls into that, you know, younger rising star category, like a Desmond Bain, like a Tyler hero, but we gave him the edge just a bit considering that his team was a three seed. Uh, they've been in the, they've been a high seed uh, playoff team the you know, past couple years. Tyrese Maxey has shown games where he can drop a bunch, a bunch of points. Like uh, he's just, he's quick. He's super, super like athletic. I mean, he's kind of just the complete package for a modern day athletic, you know, type of shooting guard. Tyrese Maxey. I mean, he's a solid player. I mean, I know he plays with Embiid and that probably helps him. He was the MVP, but I just think that, you know, the knock on someone or the reason we had to put Tyrese Maxey ahead of someone like Tyler Hero, who also, you know, has made it far in the playoffs as a high seeded team. Uh, his team showed that they 
could make it to the finals without him for one reason or another. So for that reason, we had to put Tyrese Maxey at 10. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with the sentiment. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tyrese Maxey personally. I love the way he plays. Um, you know, being a, a smaller uh, shooting guard in the league is a bit tough, you know, defensively for him. But I think he makes up for it with, uh, you know, his speed and transition and the way he uh, he fits in perfectly with Embiid and Harden. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Harden situation there. Maxey might be thrust into even a bigger role uh, in an upcoming season where, you know, he's looked at as possibly the second option uh, to Embiid and he's looked at as that lead guard in the in Philadelphia. Um, but let's move on to number nine. Uh, I know we had some discussion about, you know, these next few guys. Uh, we decided to go with Mikhail Bridges, um, you know, just because he he didn't play very much with the Brooklyn Nets just uh, just after the trade deadline once he was traded for Kevin Durant. He did put up fantastic numbers with them. Uh, and was consistent throughout the four playoff games that they had. But uh, just the guys above him have a little bit more pedigree, have shown they can do it for longer, and are a little bit more consistent. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mikael Bridges, especially defensively. I think he's one of the better on-ball defensive perimeter players in the league. Um, And I I truly do do think he can become an all-star caliber player. I think he's right on the verge right now. And we're just going to need to see it again from him come next season on the Nets the whole way through. Yeah, and I think, you know, the main thing holding Mikael Bridges down on this list from being, you know, maybe number six, number seven, maybe even number five, was that he we've only seen a limited sample size of him taking on that alpha role. We've He's played in 27 games in the regular season with the Nets, plus the four games in the playoffs. But in those 27 regular season games, I mean, he put up 26 points a game. So... The the only issue is, is that their team went like 10, uh, 10 and 14 or they, they 13 and 14, I believe it was in those games. So they, they weren't winning a lot of games, but it's not like they were, you know, losing and he was just putting up empty stats. Like he held up the record to make the playoffs to avoid that play in spot. So I think Mikal Bridges is for sure someone who could, you know, with another year of that type of like just production he could just skyrocket this list. Yeah. Uh, I want to move on to the next, want to move on to the next guy on this list, Brad Beal. Uh, He was a tougher guy to, you know, kind of pick a spot for because, you know, we know what he's capable. We've seen him, you know, lead the NBA in scoring in previous seasons. Now he's down to 23 points a game. Um, He's like, Again, he's really good. The, the the limiting factor with Brad Beal is just he doesn't play it in games. And that is probably partially because the Wizards just aren't competitive right now. They weren't competitive last year. So, you know, they want to rest him so that they can ultimately trade him like they did. Um, I think Brad Beal is going to have a bounce back year. And even right now, I think that if he was on a competitive team, we'd still be saying we'd still be seeing relatively the same old Brad Beal. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think, you know, the reason he's kind of his production has dropped off recently is just due to him, you know, not being able to really take the court in that, you know, type of manner that he used to. But I definitely think with him playing with guys like Durant and Booker on a very competitive team that is considered by almost everybody in the NBA world as a championship contender, uh, he will be more motivated to number one stay on the court and stay healthy. And number two, I think play a little bit more defense. Um, So that might be something we see out of Bradley Beal. 
Uh, the interesting thing about Beal, too, uh, in the shooting guard list is that the Suns have come out and said that they want him to play point guard for them in the upcoming season. Uh, the backcourt is going to look like Beal and Booker, um, which would be interesting. Uh, you know, Beal was able to put up 5.4 assists per game as, you know, that two guard in Washington this year. Uh, so he showed some capabilities to play make. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, capable uh, point guard in Phoenix. Uh, but what are your kind of thoughts on, you know, him moving to a point guard and becoming that lead guard in, in Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be kind of similar to, you know, how Kyrie Irving, you know, when he would play point guard when he played with LeBron James, where it was just that, you know, score first mentality. I think that's what he is. He's a bucket getter. And him, you know, on the stat or the, you know, stat sheet being listed as a point guard, I don't think will change that. I think that he's still always going to be getting those buckets. His assist numbers might go up a little bit. They might be the highest we've ever seen, partially because he's playing with two other, you know, MVP caliber players or all like all or, uh, all NBA caliber players. So that is all that also could factor into it. But I think it's it's going to be interesting to see him play in that more facilitation role rather than just go get me a bucket role. I think it's exciting. It's going to be exciting for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited to watch it. Um, the next guy on our list is somebody who, you know, we had a lot of discussion about uh, prior to, you know, cre- the creation of the list. Uh, it's it's Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, it, he's difficult to judge because, you know, he is such a winner. His shooting is just so far better than almost everybody else in the league. So it's just, he's very difficult to rank, especially because of, you know, his, he's his size wise, he's a pretty good defender. Um, he's able to, you know, match up well, uh, his, you know, his, his numbers aren't as good as, as some of the guys on this list, but his championship pedigree, the fact that, you know, he came back from two brutal injuries and put up 22 points a game. I mean, I think Clay Thompson definitely deserves to be on this list. And I think, you know, seven's a decent spot for him. Absolutely. And I mean, he, out of the, you know, the only guys that we've said thus far is the only one who's like, you know, in the history books with something, you know, truly, truly remarkable. Obviously Bradley Beal has won a scoring title in the past, but Clay Thompson has consistently year in year out been one of the, you know, the best or second best shooter in the NBA uh, won a championship a couple years back. And even last year, he was in the playoffs. He was looking like he was getting back to his old self. I have full faith in Clay Thompson that he's still, you know, getting back to that, you know, same old player that he was. Yeah. And, you know, I think with a guy like Clay too, he's, he's a player who's going to age well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't wear a lot on his body. He doesn't take a lot of dribbles. It's, it's very much get to my spot and get my shot off. And he's able to hit the shot. So I, I think he'll be able to have, you know, decent longevity in the league, much like Curry has, where he's gotten better even in his age 34, or age 35 seasons. Curry's looked, you know, better than ever. So I think, you know, both of these Splash Brothers are, you know, in, somehow improving. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see if that stays, you know, the, the same coming into next year and if Clay can really keep continue putting up these numbers. But, uh, you know, the next guy is a super high flyer, also difficult to rank. Um, just because of, you know, his team's success, you know, we've seen them be decent throughout the regular season. Uh, it's Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls, much like DeRozan, you know, the, the, the Bulls players are very difficult to rank because they have three all-star caliber players in DeRozan, Vucevic, and Zach Levine yet their, their team has very little success. Uh, when the Bucks saw them in the playoffs, a, uh, a, 
you know, we 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 beat them in five pretty handily. Uh, so you know they're not they're not like a scary team, but the talent you know jumps off the jumps off the court with Zach Levine, being able to put up twenty five points a game. You know, high flyer, great shooter, dunker. You know, all all of those different things. You know, he's difficult to rank, especially above guys who've won championships and gone far in the playoffs. But I I just think the talent with Zach Levine, you know, his his athletic ability. I think it all just it translates to number six on the list for sure. Yeah, I think Zach Levine again. I totally agree. Tougher guy to rank. I personally would have liked to maybe slot Clay just ahead of him, but I do totally understand. I mean, Zach Levine's numbers just jump out at you. Is is just raw athleticism speaks for itself. Uh, and you know, when Lonzo Ball and I think this is part of it with the Bulls. I mean, when Lonzo Ball was healthy for them, the Bulls team they were you know looked at as a contender. They had a great regular season record, and then you know Lonzo Ball deals with his injuries. And they lose their facilitator. And we've seen how important, you know, especially us as Bucks fans, how important, a, you know, a point guard can be into making a championship run. So I think that's part of, you know, where that Bulls, uh, you know, lack of, I guess, just expect like to meet the expectations, I guess. I think that's kind of where that falls in Lonzo Ball. And I think Zach Levine is a really, really good basketball player. Uh, him at number six, I think, is a really, really solid spot for him. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we're going to come back or come right back to you with our top five shooting guards in the NBA, as well as actually get into a new little segment where we're going to just talk about some other, you know, just random stuff going on uh, today. We're going to keep it, you know, relatively familiar in the sports world. Uh, just talk about preseason football. There were a couple games last night. We have, you know, all the slate of games today, including our Packers. So we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Uh, we'll be right back with our top five shooting guards. Welcome back to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and you're listening to Hershey Winkleman. Uh, we're doing our top 10 shooting guards in the NBA. Uh, we've covered our 10 through 6. It's time to move into our top 5. So uh, number 5, Anthony Edwards from uh, uh, the Timberwolves from Minnesota. So he's, again, I mean, in this top 5, it's it gets really, really close. I mean, Ant at five already seems pretty crazy considering that he puts up, you know, 25 a game on a team that has made the play-in playoffs the uh, two years ago. He's 23, number one overall pick. Uh, he's relatively been living up to his expectations. I think the biggest issue with Ant is his inconsistencies is, you know, one game he'll drop 35, the next game he'll take 10 shots and make two of them. So I think that's kind of the the biggest thing in my eyes that's really, really holding him back. But Ant is a player that, I mean, just gives you exactly what you want at the shooting guard position. Yeah, he's what I would consider a prototypical franchise cornerstone. Uh, he's absolutely somebody that you can build an entire team around. Uh, whether or not the Timberwolves are doing that correctly remains to be seen, but I, I believe they are not personally. Uh, I would like to see them, you know, kind of tear it down and possibly rebuild uh, without Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and just, you know, kind of give Edwards the complete reins of the team. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, his talent is just incredible. I mean, I think there's a significant gap between, you know, the top five and the bottom six. Um, but yeah, you know, Anthony Edwards defensively, he, he's got it offensively. He's got it. We're going to see him this summer with, you know, FIBA and, the the, uh, the international league and team USA. So we're going to see some more of Anthony Edwards this summer getting ready for next season. Um, 
I love the player. I love his personality. I love that he plays and that he's against, uh, you know, load managing and guys sitting out for no reason or for knickknack injuries. You know, Anthony Edwards is a guy who understands the value of being on the floor every night, being there for his teammates, being there for his fans, being there for the people that spend their hard-earned money to go to the game and watch these guys play. Uh, you know, he's there for it. I, I really like him. I know you like him. Uh, so I think he slots in perfectly at number five. Absolutely. Yeah. Minnesota fans, you guys got yourselves a superstar. You just got to hope that, you know, the the front office around them can, you know, build the right team and hopefully do this thing with Rudy Gobert and Cat. Like you said, I, I personally don't like it at all. You guys know that I don't like I'm not a huge Rudy Gobert fan. So uh, let's hope for the best with Ant. I think he's a great player, phenomenal talent. Uh, let's move on to the next guy at number four. Kyrie Irving, uh, more controversial name in the NBA with Kyrie. Uh, you know, in his days on the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was always thought of as one of the coolest, you know, young hype players in the NBA. Uh, and then, you know, he moves different teams, has his issues with Boston, and, you know, stuff starts to go a little bit downhill. But Kyrie Irving, nonetheless, is still just one of – he might be the most skilled player ever. And when I say skilled, it's just his ability to just, like – magnetically control a basketball his dribbling is his his layup packages is just ability to finish over almost anyone his shooting the ability to get to any spot he wants i mean as a scorer he is everything like he, he does everything correct the only thing is that he's a little small i mean he's what six feet tall hirsch right five eleven six feet maybe maybe six one yeah so he's, he's, yeah he's on the smaller side but i mean it's just just the talent is so there. I think four is a really good spot for him. I just think that the guys ahead of him offer a bit more just to their overall game. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I agree with, you know, a lot of the things you said about Kyrie. I mean, what do you, I mean, I, I personally would have him, you know, a little bit higher. Uh, I just think, you know, skill wise, I think he has what it takes to win games uh, regardless of what he's done, you know, recently, in the past, he has, you know, hit some of the biggest shots in NBA history to win titles. Uh, he's proven that he can, you know, put up like 40 pieces consistently in the playoffs. Uh, he just needs to be put on the correct team. And I mean, I think a lot of the time recently, he has also done a lot of uh, damage to himself and to his teams and by putting his teams in bad spots, whether it be not getting vaccinated and not being able to play out throughout the year or getting suspended for you know, posting things on, on to Twitter that he shouldn't have, um, you know, Kyrie does a lot of self detrimental things, but I don't think it takes necessarily away from who he is as a basketball player. And on the court, he still is one of the most magical players to touch a basketball. Um, you know, a lot of people say that they haven't seen a guy with his handle since Allen Iverson, but yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. So if you take away all like, you know, just the side stuff, you know, if you just look at the player Kyrie, he's great. I, I think something I forgot to you know mention when I was, you know, talking about him at first is that you brought up his ability, you know, to just drop 40 pieces in the playoffs and all that is great. The issue is, is that since, you know, his days on the Cavaliers, he's had a lot of issues staying on the court, especially in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think that also is going to have me that that's another reason why I have to put him below the next guy we have, even though he, he, you might want to argue Kyrie is a more talented basketball player. The guy I have ahead of him, Donovan Mitchell at number three, 
has shown up in the playoffs before. He's he's relatively healthy. Uh, this year, I know the Cavs in the playoffs struggled. Donovan Mitchell did not live up to the expectations, but I know that he can because we've seen him do it on the Jazz. We've seen him take that team to a number one seed. We've seen him light it up in the playoffs as a rookie. And since then on the Jazz, he was like that. I think that this Cavs team just needs to kind of get its fit. I think now that they've had a year to play with each other, you know, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, it's a lot of talent. I think that Donovan Mitchell is going to really, really piece it together in the playoffs. Not to mention he was an MVP candidate this year. So that also kind of speaks for itself, I think. Yeah, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell's, you know, Again, a, gr- a great talent. I think, you know, this top five really does speak for itself, especially with the eye-popping numbers. I mean, 28 points a game. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, 10 years ago, th- the top guys in the league were putting up 28 points a game. Now Donovan Mitchell's, you know, maybe a top four player in his position putting up 28 points a game. It just shows really how the game has changed and become a much more offensive, you know, or- oriented league. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Donovan Mitchell at you know three is a decent spot. I would per, per, uh, particularly argue for Kyrie over him, but I think it's neither here nor there. They're both you know kind of in the same boat where you know you you kind of we kind of really have to see them do it again in the playoffs. I know they've both been able to you know get decently far before, but since they moved teams, you know Kyrie didn't even make the playoffs last year, and Donovan Mitchell lost in the first round to a team he probably shouldn't have lost to. So I think they're both in pretty similar situations. Both need to see them win. Um, and, you know, Kyrie has, you know, an, a top five teammate with him, whereas Donovan Mitchell's got, you know, a star-studded cast around him. Um, I think they're both similar. I think, you know, they they should be both right next to each other. Um, but I think, you know, those top two guys that we have are just, you know, a little bit above them. Uh, and that number two, uh, I think we both agree that Shea should be there. Shea Gilgis Alexander from the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, putting up an eye popping 31 and a half points a game with five boards and almost six assists. So he really fills up the stat sheet at almost every night. Um, one of the, you know, up and coming superstars in the league. A lot of people, you know, will already argue he's a top 10 player. I would say, you know, probably top 15, top 12, but yeah, definitely around that, that range. Um, and I think, you know, with the Oklahoma City Thunder being a better team, acquiring more assets, getting Chet Holmgren back, you know, stuff like that. I think, you know, we could really see Shea, you know, blossom in that team, you know, really become a good playoff playoff caliber team in the West. Absolutely. I think the NBA actually should be relatively scared of, you know, what the Oklahoma City have brewing with all those draft picks. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander being the man to, you know, lead this young Oklahoma city thunder team. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is six, seven, six, eight playing point guard or shooting guard for his team. He handles the ball the most he's listed as a shooting guard. We had to use basketball reference to keep it consistent, but SGA runs his offense. And from what like the thunder were and what like the situation everyone thought they were in, you know, getting Chet the previous year where it's they weren't winning many games to now being a competitive team where it's no longer just chalk up the W. Like, no, this team came to play. And that was mainly because SGA was giving them what he gave them. And I he's 24 years old or 23, 24. 
he's only going to get better. And I think that next year when we're making this list, maybe two years from now, he's going to be number one on this list. He's someone who could straight up be a top five player in the NBA. I think he's that good. And I think the potential is just sky high with him. I think there's just, there's not, you're not going to really see me saying too much bad about SGA. A lot of my, (laughs) a lot of my friends from a while ago know that I've been on the SGA hype train for a really, really long time. Um, I used to even say that he was better than the guy that uh, we had at number one. I still think it is an argument, but Devin Booker is just too proven. He's just done too much in this league. And he's this last playoff run. I know they didn't make it very far, but he individually was spectacular, probably solidified him as the number one shooting guard in the NBA today. Uh, Hirsch, I know you're a big Devin Booker fan. You really, you know, support his game. You love his game. What, what what do you have to say about Devin Booker being at the number one slot for us? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned it, just his efficiency last year in the playoffs. I think really the the national narrative around him kind of changed, uh, whereas he he's now looked at as a, a top seven player in the league. You know, some people, you know, on in the national media were even arguing, is he the best player on his own team? Is he better than Kevin Durant? Uh, you know, I think. Kevin Durant still probably has that edge, but I think it definitely is close. Um, and especially the way that they were both playing down the stretch last year. I, I think, you know, Devin Booker really has solidified himself. Uh, he's always going to be around that 30 points a game, you know, average 28 uh, last year. was able to fill up the stat sheet, posting uh, almost six assists and five boards. So similarly to Shea, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll provide other things other than just scoring. Um, and, you know, with, with the addition of Bradley Beal, you know, kind of running the offense now, I, I don't know maybe if that takes shots away from Devin, it might. Um, but I do think that he's going to have to improve defensively if they'd like to, you know, get back to the finals just because I don't necessarily see a defensive stopper in, the, in that Phoenix Suns roster. And especially with the starters, I would argue you don't necessarily want your three best players to be your three best defenders. So... You know, with that case, um, I definitely stay. I st- I still think Devin Booker has the you know clear cut case to be the number one shooting guard in the league. Absolutely, and I think that's a good way to wrap up this top ten shooting guards list. Uh, we're gonna come out with a top ten point guards list to finish up our off season. You know, top ten by positions, and then we're gonna get into some other you know different lists, whether that be a uh, top twenty five, uh, under twenty five something like that, or top 10, you know, most fun franchises or like hardest franchises to, you know, just like rebuild right now, something like that. But, you know, that's all in the works. It's in the lab right now. So we'll come up with some, with some of that at some point, but uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about some preseason football. I know everyone's really, really excited for the NFL season, you know, coming up Uh, Madden 24 drops on Monday, the pre-release. So that's all really exciting stuff, but we had some preseason football action yesterday. We got to see the first uh, little glimpse of CJ Stroud and the Texans. They beat the, uh, who did they play yesterday again? Um, They beat the Patriots. Oh my God. Yeah. So they beat the Patriots yesterday. We got to see a little Bailey Zappi action. He had a really nice throw to Tyquan Thornton. I remember, but uh, CJ Stroud, I know a lot, a lot of people are, it, some people are like, Oh, he looked really, really bad. He threw the pick to a four, whatever. But, in my eyes, dude, he was just a rookie quarterback playing his first, you know, first couple drives for a really bad team. And, you know, playing against Bill Belichick, who is one of the best defensive like minds in the history of the game. 
probably doesn't make that too easy. I know Hirsch, you didn't really get a chance to watch that game, but you did get a, a you know couple minutes to watch the uh, the next game that took place that night, the Seahawks versus Vikings. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch that one, but that's a cool you know rookie receiver matchup with Addison and JSN. Did you did you get to see any of that? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they took the field. Um, I didn't really notice anything too spectacular. I thought it was pretty boring through the first, through the little bit that I watched. But, you know, I did see Stroud throw the interception. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, I don't really think you can chalk preseason up to much, especially just because players really aren't. I mean, I, I know a lot of like the the players on the on the fringe are, you know, trying their hardest, but the coaches are running pretty bland defenses and they're not necessarily, you know, trying to put their best foot forward in preseason. That's why I wouldn't necessarily freak out if the Packers lose tonight or, you know, some so Jordan Love throws an interception. Yeah, so like that. that was what I was gonna ask you. So if what if Jordan Love looks horrible tonight? Are you at all like concerned? Are you like not at all? You're so you're telling me, let's just say Jordan Love goes out there, he plays two drives. His two drives, first drive, throws a pick, all right? Doesn't look good, doesn't gets no yards, throws a pick first play. Next drive comes out there three and out and gets like three yards on like one completion, maybe. All right. You're telling me that doesn't concern you at all. No, I'd still be comfortable with it just because it's his first like real action of the year. Um, and they still have more preseason, you know, none of these, none of this like stats actually count. None of it actually matters. So, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these coaches are just trying to see what they have. They're trying to lab new plays. They're trying to, you know, try all these different things, get creative in the preseason, see what they can get, like the most that they can get out of some of the guys that are really on the fringe that they want to see, you know, are we going to cut this guy? Are we going to keep this guy? You know, where does this guy fit in? The Packers have already pretty much decided that Jordan Love's going to be the starter for the season. Um, and I think, you know, he should have that confidence, especially from the team, from the coach that, you know, it is his team and he has, you know, that wiggle room to make mistakes to, you know, try to be himself, to be creative and to see what he can make out of plays, you know, try to extend them, make, try to fit balls where maybe you shouldn't, because, you know, you're, this is, this is how, I don't really think the Packers have any expectations. So this is his chance to kind of fly under the radar, try out what he wants to try out. You know, no one's expecting the Packers to even win the division or go to the playoffs or win the Super Bowl. Like we always have been. So why not let the kids see what he can do on out on the football field? We really haven't seen him get any legitimate minutes except for when he played against the Chiefs, who are a great defense, and the Eagles, who are both a great defense. So both of his chances to play real NFL minutes, he was playing in some of the best defenses in the NFL. Whether he looked good or not, he wasn't really prepared, and he knew he was playing behind Aaron Rodgers, whereas now he is the clear-cut starter in their, in you know the Packers' depth chart. And I think – you know, whether he comes out and has a bad game or whether he plays great, I don't think it's anything to overreact about. That's a fair point. I mean, I think that, yeah, you for sure just got to take it with a grain of salt, but I think you do want to see some things to build off of. Like you want to see him look improved based off of, you know, his previous, you know, NFL starts against the Chiefs and the Eagles. Cause again, he's playing against second stringers, third stringers, as well as, you know, he's, it's the preseason, it's his year. Like you want that confidence to be there. And he's in his, what, four, he's going into his third year, fourth year, one of the two, I, but he's, he's had time to sit under Rogers. And I think that the confidence, you know, at this point, it's gotta be sky high. It seems like the team as a whole, like really, really has his back. The locker room fully supports him. And that's always a great thing. That's always really exciting. And I think as Packer fans, it's actually really cool to be able to like, kind of like have this unknown, 
going into an NFL season instead of just like, all right, we have Aaron Rodgers. We're going to win our 12 to or 11 to 13 games and we're going to make it this far in the playoffs. And, you know, we're going to have a tough game. Hopefully we can make it over the hump this year. It's going to be like a, we're either going to be really bad rebuild type of uh, deal or Jordan Love could be the third Hall of Fame or great quarterback that we get. That would be best case scenario. Uh, but besides Packers, uh, is there any other, you know, player rookie that you're excited that you're on the lookout for this year in the preseason? I mean, I know, I know me personally, I'm really excited about Bijan Robinson and Quentin Johnston. Um, I do dynasty football. I have, uh, both of them in one of my dynasty leagues. So that's, uh, the main contributor for that. So I'm not going to be able to watch the games tonight. Unfortunately, I might be able to catch the end of the Chargers game, but Quentin Johnson won't be playing. But yeah, no. So those are going to be some fun highlights to watch. You get to see my rookies play. Uh, Hirsch, you you got anyone that you're really looking forward to? Well, yeah. I mean, I know you're a huge fan of Bijan, and you know I am too. I'm I'm excited to see the kid play. I think he's going to be electric a lot, like you know Saquon Barkley was when he first came into the league and just took the league by storm. Um, I think you know I think this again like Bryce Young, a lot of the quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson are just going to be interesting to see how you know they 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 turn out and you know you mentioned some of the wide receivers like jackson smith and jigba jordan addison you know those young rookie receivers are always interesting as well just because you never know someone will break out eventually and it's always just fun to watch absolutely the the nfl season is just spectacular and i love how rookies can come right out of the gate and just be like pro bowl caliber not even pro bowl all pro caliber players i mean we've seen jamar chase justin jefferson do that past couple of years. I mean, Micah Parsons, all these guys just start. It's so cool. when you just see someone just like instantly come into the league and have an impact. I think that's like one of my favorite parts about the NFL is just like, yeah, just the immediate impact someone can make and just how scheme driven the sport is too, right? Like someone can be whatever on one team and it's like, they just didn't, they weren't in the right situation for them to succeed. And now they're on this team or whatever. And they look like a completely different player. Like an example of that is like Christian Kirk, right? He always looked like solid on the Cardinals, but then you give him a team where he can really be, you know, the number one guy or, you know, be like a, a premier guy in that offense. And he looks, gives you 1200 yards or whatever. So it's really yeah. cool stuff. I'm super excited. I know I have a couple of drafts coming up here as well. So we'll be looking forward to that as well as, you know, the start of the NFL season. But uh, I think that's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN and on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorf. And let's go, Bucks.